0: Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, for this week, I actually do have a guest host who's joining me here. Uh, we're going to be delving into the world of coin-op video games, and I've invited uh, Paul Colleani. Is that correct, Paul?
1: Very good. All
0: yes. right. <laughs> uh, Paul's from the Overwhelmed Brain podcast, and he's going to join us here. Uh, so, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Overwhelmed Brain?
1: The Overwhelmed Brain is a personal growth podcast for critical thinkers. It's basically a place you can go to listen to interviews with leaders in the fields of personal growth and human potential. And it's for the critical thinker in the sense that we don't talk about law of attraction and energy and crystals and things like that. We get into the more process-oriented things, the step-by-step, how do I improve myself? And, and, and it really gets down into the, the, the ground level, what I need to do next kind of thing.
0: Sounds good, man. I I will have to jump in and listen to some of that cuz I lord knows I could use some personal growth. <laughs> well,
1: well it has nothing to do with video games and I I actually grew up, you know, in the 80s, so I am part of your generation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm 36 myself, so I've got some background in it. You know, I I grew up on all these video games here. I remember going to the arcade and seeing things like Dragon's Lair and Space Ace and you know, Donkey Kong. These are the games that I grew up on. My dad even was happy to hear me talking about this. He goes, Really? People are interested in Donkey Kong? I'm like, Yeah, dad, there's a whole documentary on on it called King of Kong.
1: Well, Nintendo never let it die either. It just kept going and going. They just used that as their uh, their trademark um icon to kept going with it a mascot that's the word i'm looking for yeah
0: mario has i mean this is really mario's start even though he was called Jumpman in the very beginning of, of donkey kong mm-hmm. uh, he kind of just exploded and became this huge icon to build on mario brothers with his brother luigi uh and then going on from there into the super mario brothers uh one two and three for the nintendo going on with super mario world uh you know paper mario and it's just he's blown up so everybody can recognize him he's kind of the coke of nintendo
1: yeah well both of them actually i mean donkey kong uh, sprouted his own series as well
0: yeah i mean you've had donkey kong donkey kong junior uh donkey kong country i mean just naming some of the ones that i remember off the top of my head mm-hmm. and i'm Don- sure that there is quite a few more
1: <laughs> yeah i mean nintendo the the nes came out with donkey kong and donkey kong junior donkey kong junior math i believe and then yep. they came out with like uh, a few years later. They came out with a classics that included both Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. So the NES had a really good version of Donkey Kong. I actually oh. enjoyed that.
0: It wasn't quite as same as the arcade game, I know that, but it was pretty darn close from what I remember.
1: It was good. It was good. I don't. Uh, I know it had the elevator levels, but I don't know if it had the springs that bounced.
0: Yeah, I don't think it did. And I think that was one of the reasons why people didn't like it as much as the coin op version. Uh, I remember. Yeah. I cut my teeth with Donkey Kong on the old Atari 2600 version of it that Coleco Vision came out with.
1: Oh, okay, before you before you talk about that. <laughs> what did you think about that version cuz I remember the day I played it.
0: Uh which one? The the Atari 2600? The
1: 2600 Atari version? 2600 version of Donkey Kong.
0: It wasn't even the same. <laughs>
1: it Wasn't the same at all. I mean, no. I put it I put it in my system and I go oh. Oh my god! And I played the first level. And I was like, "Okay, that was cool." And then I got to the second level, and I was like, "Okay, that's cool. I can't wait to see this next level." The elevator. What did they do with the elevators? Wasn't there? No, <laughs> wasn't there. In fact, it restarted, and I had two levels, and it played the same levels over and over again. You could always reach high score. It was just so disappointing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I that was what I knew at the very beginning because. That was what my parents had brought home to us, and they said, here, we're going to play Donkey Kong. And I was all excited. I'm going, hey, this is great playing it on the 2600, and then I went and played in the arcade, and I'm going, why do I suck? <laughs> oh. The <laughs>
1: yeah, 2600 really dumbed it down. But, yeah. But, you know, of course, you know, those guys are programming an assembly language. They have these – they have to do it in like a few months, and it's just like – if they cannot do the same thing, they can and, with the and, hardware.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they had so much less memory to work with, the the fact that they were working with basically, you know, it was what, like a 6-bit system here when you look at it compared to the Nintendo 8-bit versions?
1: Oh, yeah. You I know? think it was like a 4-bit, and I think they had like 2K or 4K cartridges on the, on the Atari. Yeah. Very I limited.
0: Mean, just, but for what it was, I will give it this. It did at least give us an idea of the gameplay, so... No, There was that.
1: (laughs) Had you not played it in the arcade before the Atari?
0: Uh, No, we really didn't have like we had an arcade here uh, in town that Santee is really weird where I'm living because any sort of arcades, they actually ran them out of town uh, like like 30 years ago. And the reason for that was that apparently some kids had gotten into gang fights and had had brought in drugs and alcohol supposedly. And so, like the owners were run out of town, and then any time that they have any sort of arcades, and basically this constitutes any more than three consoles in a, you know, three cabinets in a uh, venue, it constitutes as an arcade, and they can actually shut it down.
1: Wait a minute, is this still in effect? Yes. No.
0: It is still in effect in our town. <laughs> you
1: Kidding me? I thought you were going to say it was because of. You know, when uh, pinball machines came out, they thought that was a gambling device. So they started shutting down places with pinball machines. But I thought you were going to go in that on that direction. But you didn't.
0: No, this is I mean, because we had a straw hat pizza. We had a Godfather's pizza. Those were closed down uh, because they had the arcade games in the town. And it's really kind of crappy. I I really Mm. hated that. But, you know, I remember Mm. in high school they came through and our Godfather's pizza they put in. They had like four arcade games and they came in they go oh you have you know you have one too many you either have to pull it or shut it down and they they shut that down they shut the theater down that had arcade games in it
1: this is nuts i've not heard this yeah <laughs> wow things happen on the different different parts of the the world that's just,
0: <sighs> yeah and what's funny is you go the next town over you can have an arcade there you go you know any one of the other towns it's just Santee, I I swear that they are trying to make it so that there's no fun in town.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you still live there. When is this going to end
0: (laughs) Yeah, I still live here. It's because it's cheap. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, to to get back to Donkey Kong, because I really do enjoy this game. Uh, It, you know, they had so much going for it. You had, uh, you know, you had some of the people who came out with this really breaking into the North American market here. Uh, We had Hiroshi Yamauchi, uh, who was Nintendo's president at the time. Uh, he was assigned to the project to uh, – he, he basically said here. He gave it to Shigeru um, Miyamoto. I believe that's how you say his name.
1: Yeah, Hiroshi was actually president of Japan at the time. And and uh, what was his name? Miyamoto? Shigeru? Yeah. Cre- yeah, he was the creator of Donkey Kong pretty much. Yes,
0: And he also had like a lot to do with once they started getting into the Nintendo games, uh, the NES platform and the 8-bit systems for the home and Famicom. He really started developing a lot of the games that came out. Uh, you know, he helped to develop uh, Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, he also had the Lost Levels that was basically Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, he was involved He was involved in all those games? Yeah. Oh, that's good to know.
0: He had a lot behind him. <laughs> yeah, he,
1: he had a flair for creating a good game for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, he originally designed this game here. It was supposed to be originally Popeye, and they were going to have – the Little character that you know Mario was running around that was supposed to actually be Popeye that was going to be dealing, and then the ape was going to be Bluto for this game, and then the girl that you had to rescue was Olive Oil. Well, apparently, I guess a lot of the legalities fell through on this, so he kind of combined a bunch of stuff and said, "Well, we'll kind of make it like King Kong, and we'll put a little bit of Beauty and the Beast, and you know, we'll, we'll still have that Popeye element in there." And yeah, they,
1: they they took they went from one trademark slash copyright to another trademark slash copyright.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, in fact, that actually came back to bite them in the butt because Universal turned around and sued them, uh, saying that it was too much like King Kong. And they actually had – Nintendo had this big battle going on with Universal. And Universal lost and then decided they were going to come back out with their own King Kong video game.
1: Oh, wait. Before you get into that, do you know why Universal lost that suit?
0: Uh all I have here is that they it just ultimately failed. Uh, I don't actually have any further information on it.
1: I I do. I'm going to fill in that gap. Go ahead. <laughs> it was great. It was such a good story. It was actually in, I think, Stephen Kent's The Ultimate History of Video Games book. The, um, The lawyers for Nintendo and the lawyers for Universal St- Studio got together, and Nintendo did a bunch of research and said, you know, we've got a case here. And so they were honest and said, hey, we have a case here. You're not going to win. I mean, this is Nintendo talking to Universal. And Universal's like, we have all the resources and money in the world that we want, and we're going to fight you, and we're going to win. Well, it was like the, I don't know the time frame, but it was like, it's almost like the last, the 11th hour before the lawsuit actually took place or just started or something like that. And Nintendo's lawyers or um, research team found that the trademark had actually gone so long for 40 years, it went into the public domain. Oh, so no. Nobody, yeah, so nobody owned it. And and they didn't tell Universal this until they were able to pretty much throw it in their face in court, and that's how oh. Nintendo won. <laughs> oh, wow. It's an awesome story. Uh,
0: you know, that, that really is. It's kind of justice in, in a sense of, you know, hey, too bad, so sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I know that they did come out with their own King Kong video game, and I'll be honest, I did actually get a chance to play it once.
1: Where is that an arcade game or is it on the console? Yeah,
0: it was an actual coin op video game. Uh, they had it at. Oh,
1: How gosh. come I don't know about this?
0: It, trust me, it was <laughs> it, when I when I played it, I was kind of like, wow, I'm really surprised Nintendo didn't rip on them for <sighs> you know, it, it, it's so much like Donkey Kong, it's not even funny.
1: It's called King Kong. Yes. Oh my God! I gotta look that up.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I trust me. I swear you're gonna look at it and you're gonna go, Ooh,
1: wow. <laughs> I have played some pretty bad ones, so it's gonna be interesting.
0: Oh yeah, I've I've had quite a few under my belt as well. I mean, I've I've played some interesting games. Uh, you know, I got a chance to play one of the first 3D hologram games uh, that was down here at the Boardwalk in San Diego, uh, and that was, was that, really pretty interesting. Was that recent? Was that recent? Uh, no, this was. Gosh, this was probably back in 94, 95. It was like they beamed it up into this little hologram screen. And if you moved your hand over it, you could see that it kind of fell back. But, huh. you know, it was it was kind of a live action type of thing. Uh, sort of like uh, Mad Dog McCree was, if you ever got a chance mm-hmm. to play that one. Mm-hmm. Very similar in play to that.
1: Interesting. But well, they came out with some 3D games in the arcades. And uh, I'm trying to remember, there was one fighter that was kind of holographic. It might have even actually had the word holographic in it or hollow something. Hollow Fighter or something. I don't know.
0: Might have been. I i honestly don't remember it because unfortunately yeah. I kind of fell out of going to the arcades back in about 95, you know, partially because I found girls. So <laughs> uh,
1: what are you saying?
0: <laughs> you know, sex appeals a lot more interesting than video games. Sorry to say.
1: <laughs> I used to go to the arcades to look for girls and it never worked.
0: Oh, of course not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were there. They just didn't look at me. That's all I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh <laughs> One of the things about this here that I do want to bring up with Donkey Kong, because this is actually fairly important for the games. This was actually one of the very first uh, platform-style games, Uh, and basically it's a side-scrolling. Well, I shouldn't really call it a side-scrolling because it's not a true uh, side-scrolling game, but the fact that you had to manipulate and jump your character around, dodging obstacles, climbing ladders, moving up and down, that was a lot of what uh donkey kong was and it was actually the second game to do this uh the very first one was a game called space panic uh but donkey kong
1: yeah yeah i remember that go ahead
0: yeah donkey kong was the very first one to introduce jumping of the character so Mm. that was the big thing with donkey kong and why it's kind of held together as being the big you know one of the top video games of all
1: time well i remember I remember the day I found Donkey Kong. It was in a bowling alley in Maynard, Massachusetts. And man, that thing just sucked you in. Because I think the only things out there at the time were, of course, the incredible, incredibly popular Mm Pac-Man. And then like asteroids. So you had (laughs) had black and white vector asteroids and space invaders, of course. And then you had Pac-Man, which is color. And then Donkey Kong comes out and there's like nothing like it out there. Yeah. You know, I mean... For me because I was
0: I was I was getting into the Donkey Kong Galaga and, and uh joust. Those are the games that I usually played if Donkey Kong was, wasn't available. So
1: I think I have a different perspective than you because I was uh ten or eleven years old when this came out, you know, nineteen eighty one, Donkey yeah. Kong came out. So I'm going to the arcades a lot as a ten year old kid and seeing the new games come out for the first time. Yeah. And 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 to be exposed to you know just playing like a game called uh, it was a game called Ripoff, which is basically another vector just you know black and white vector based game where you drive this little tank and you're picking up these cargo pieces or you're trying to shoot people that's picking up the stuff off your screen. Like, hard to explain, but
0: oh, kind of reminds me of Battlezone if you ever played that where you were similar. tank driving around and shooting.
1: Yep, that's also a vector based game, oh. and and that was that came out I think after donkey kong but growing up with these black and white games and then for pac-man to come out it was just like whoa what is this that's why it made so many so much money And oh, yeah. then donkey kong and that's when it just everything exploded when games were starting to actually improve in quality and and fun
0: yes and going on that we actually do have some of the things that i, I do have a little bit of trivia involved with mario mm. uh is that the reason that he actually had a hat and he had a mustache was that they were having a really hard time with the pixels at that time drawing him with an actual face and a smile and everything. So they stuck a mustache on him, and then they stuck the hat on him because they couldn't animate the hair properly the way that they wanted to. So That's great. I thought that was kind of neat. I, I learned that. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs>
1: well, plus I love the, the origination of Mar- Mario. Um, Mario? Ma- Mario, <laughs> Mario. yeah. Mario. <laughs> Because he was the landlord for the warehouse of Nintendo of America. Yes. <laughs> I just love that story. And Nintendo of America was about to go bankrupt. I think it was Minoru Arakawa, which was, um, what's his name? The Japan president again. I have that in front of me.
0: Oh, uh, I have uh, Shigeru Miyamoto.
1: He's a creator. And then there was like. Um,
0: there was Hiroshi Yamauchi.
1: Hiroshi. Wow. Hiroshi Hiroshi Yamauchi was the president of Japan. He sent his son over, Minoru Arakawa. I'm doing this all in my head right now. (laughs) I should refer to the notes when I have these Japanese names. He sent his son over to America to break into the American market because they just were doing so bad. They had two bad games. Uh, One was called Sheriff. The other one was called, um, well, they came out with Radar Scope, which was the original cabinet donkey kong but they just could not break into the american market so yeah. they sent they sent this guy over to create nintendo of america and be, with these bad games coming over importing over they were just doing terrible so totally about to go bankrupt and so then um mario comes into the warehouse saying you need to pay your rent you need to get out <laughs> and so at that point shigeru Miyamoto uh, immortalized mario in the game because it just reminded him of the landlord. So I just thought that was a cool story.
0: Yeah. It, it's one of those little things, little tidbits, everybody kind of wonders. And of course the running joke with him, with Mario and his brother, Luigi is that everybody kind of goes, well, what's Mario's last name, <laughs> Mario. That is actually his last name, Mario, Mario, Luigi, Mario, because they're the Mario brothers. So
1: uh, really? Yes.
0: <laughs> and if you actually, they, they actually had a Mario brothers movie with Bob Hoskins in it. Um, Oh, Bob boy. Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo play Mario and Luigi, and it's it's god awful.
1: i uh, yeah, I've seen previews, and I've never wanted to watch it, even though yeah. I'm a Mario fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's a point. I mean, it's you, you kind of see it, and you see uh, Dennis Hopper is playing the role of of Koopa, and it, it just <laughs> yeah. Um, Are you serious? Oh god, it's 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 horrible, horrible god. film.
1: Dennis didn't get too many good roles back then. Apparently,
0: no. I mean, after seeing this, I'm going, well, thank God he did Easy Rider because he was much better in that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no kidding.
0: Uh, but yeah, the the game here, Donkey Kong. I mean, really, there has been so much with this game that's influenced pop culture that people don't realize. Uh, you know, I mean, Donkey Kong actually had a cartoon show. Uh, back in back in the early '80s, there was a whole cartoon show that they ran on Saturday afternoons with I want to say it was CBS so CBS or NBC uh, where they had they actually had clips of Space Ace, Donkey Kong, Kubert, uh, Dragon's Lair they had Dirk the Daring running around and they would rotate these shows out and Qbert kind of became a weekly show and then they had uh, Donkey Kong that kind of became a weekly show as well. And Donkey mm-hmm. Kong ran basically what would happen is that he was he was this you know cute little donkey that was running around, and he was kind of he was kind of actually a a little bit of a hero and Mario was kind of a villain in this in the cartoon, oh wow, yeah, I mean Donkey Kong would always try and kidnap the princess and run away and you know uh it was it was just goofy.
1: <laughs> did I, you ever watch it? Did you ever see it?
0: I remember seeing like two or three episodes when they reran it on u s a networks oh, ah. Yeah. And the USA had the whole Cartoon Express, and I remember seeing it then when I was a kid, and I was kind of like – I always wanted to watch it, and just for some reason, it was never on at the times that my TV guide said it was, and I kind of missed it. But
1: I tried you know. to watch it. I couldn't. I tried to watch it, and I couldn't. And it, it, yeah. I was a kid. I was like, you know, I don't want to watch this. I want to go play it in the arcade. I yes. Just, I just think yes. I just never watched it because it was – it wasn't the same experience, I guess.
0: Oh no! I think I think that that was a lot of reason why people didn't, why those cartoon shows never really picked up. Uh, I mean, Dragons Lair in Space Ace, I kind of get because that was basically, I mean, exactly what it was is it was a cartoon that was written into a video game,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and
0: Don Bluth pulled that over, did wonderful things with it. But that's a whole topic for another podcast. I know that's a
1: great topic, actually. <laughs>
0: uh. Come back to Donkey Kong again. I know we're taking bird walks and I apologize. This
1: is all good, right? (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. With regards to the name Donkey Kong itself, uh, there's a couple of myths that run around. Uh, One of them says that the name was originally supposed to be Monkey Kong, but was misspelled or misinterpreted uh, due to blurred faxes or bad telephone connections (laughs) going back to Japan. Right. Uh, Another story says that Miyamoto locked in, uh, looked into a Japanese English dictionary for something that would mean stubborn gorilla, and came across and saw donkey, and he thought, well, donkeys are are stubborn, and so he kind of put that together with Kong being from King Kong, uh, which was kind of a slang in Japanese for gorilla. Oh, uh,
1: that's that's the most believed one, isn't it? That's the most yeah. common one.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's the most common one that I was able to find. So I, I would go with that one more so than I would go with, you know, uh, that was bad connection here.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, stubborn gorilla, and yeah. you probably look in a Japanese to English dictionary or something. You probably find very similar. Yeah, words.
0: and Japanese is a rather. It's kind of an interesting language to try and learn because the way that the verbs and everything line up, uh, hmm. and adjectives, it's. Uh, some things like if, you, if you've if you ever tried to watch Japanese anime and tried to watch direct literal translations.
1: <laughs> that must be fun.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like you start seeing it and it, it says oh, me super happy fun time. <laughs> and it's like, what? Yes, I'm excited.
1: You know, there's a funny story about behind the uh, name Donkey Kong because when um, these two distributors, there were two distributors in the United States, Ron, Judy and Al Stone and they were up in the Pacific Northwest and they were the only ones importing Nintendo games like in 1979, they were getting them from Hawaii. They were importing them to Hawaii. Then they were taking them from Hawaii and bringing them to the States. They were just like barely making it. And when uh, Nintendo is like, Hey, you're, you're our only distributors and we want to get you involved with a new game that we're creating. And they're like, great. Cause right now we're just barely getting by. So the new game at the time was Radar Scope. They sent them like 3,000 units of Radar Scope and they ended up with 2,000 units just sitting in the warehouse in New Jersey or something. Yeah, And we're just like, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to go bankrupt. And so uh, Nintendo was like, okay, we've got this new game coming out and it's going to really be great and we want to give you commission off of it. And they're like, okay, that sounds good because we're about to go bankrupt here. And then they sent it over to their lawyer to to Ron and Al's lawyer, which happened to be Howard Lincoln. And um, Howard Lincoln actually still, he might still work for Nintendo, but I think he's Nintendo's attorney for a, quite a long time. Yeah. So Howard Lincoln gets this information and he goes, what is this? And Ron and Al look at the name of the game and they go, Donkey Kong? Yeah, we're just, we just had a bad year with Radar Scope and now you're sending us a game of the name Donkey Kong. And Howard Lincoln's like, I don't even know what this is. What does this mean? And they were all, they were all just about to go. You know what? This isn't going to work. They just almost lost it. So they went from the edge of bankruptcy and said, "All right, let's just go for it anyway." Terrible name. We'll see what happens. And I think like in months, they were millionaires because they they stuck with it. So it's just an awesome like inspiring story. They they stuck with Nintendo. Nintendo finally broke the American market. They got in through uh, these two distributors who themselves became millionaires. And of course, Howard Lincoln, those distributors' lawyer, ended up getting, uh, going into Nintendo and, and being their attorney for quite a long time. And I think he moved up from attorney to like vice president of Nintendo or something. It's just a, a that, fascinating history.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds right. Cause I remember, I remember back in the day that, you know, they'd trot him out as kind of a Nintendo spokesperson.
1: Yeah. And yeah, he was Nintendo. always
0: wearing the little yellow polka dot tie, you know, bow tie. So, <laughs>
1: He started off just as a lawyer from a couple for a couple distributors in in the U.S. bringing in Nintendo games. Pretty cool.
0: And when you look at how that how far that's come, when these guys, you know, the distributors are going, telling everybody, "Hey, um, maybe you guys want to put this into your bars and your restaurants." Uh, right. The guys are looking around, going, "Well, okay, I guess we'll try it." And then they turned around, 120 plays a day at thirty bucks, a, you know, thirty bucks a day for these machines, and they're going, um. Yeah, these are going to be really successful. We want more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, yeah, that started the whole boom at, at like, like within a year, arcades were making, oh, what was it? Five billion a year, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean just at that year, I mean, that that 75,000 man hours and five billion a year. They're like, oh, man, this is going to be huge. So, yeah, that's what that's what started the whole craze, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got notes here uh, that they were saying, let me see here. Uh the game made a let me see where is it uh the game made a hundred million in its second year of release and totaled uh two hundred and eighty million here in the first two years uh <laughs> basically equivalent to about six hundred and fifty million in twenty eleven dollars
1: <laughs> Wow so was that just from the sales of the cabinets yes, oh my God, that was and then just they- and then, of course, the uh, amusement vendors were making all the money off the quarters going into it.
0: Oh, of course! I mean, just and you know, kids were pumping quarters left and right into this game because, well, and let's be honest, the game is difficult. <laughs> it is a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got you've got Mario jumping around and he's trying to avoid barrels that are being thrown by Donkey Kong. Uh, at one point, he you see fire that he's got to deal with. He's got elevators that he's got to deal with on some of these levels. Uh, you know, he, he's got just all sorts of stuff that gets thrown at him and it's huh. a difficult
1: game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, especially because there's a randomness to it too. It's like, yeah, Donkey Kong is rolling these barrels down these girders and you, okay. You can see those coming, but sometimes he'll just throw one straight down. Yeah. Just, just bouncing each girder coming straight down at you. You are like, where did that come from? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean to get into that because there's actually been a documentary with uh, Billy Mitchell, uh, who back in 2007 they did this documentary called The King of Kong, and this was really kind of where they spawned off this huge deal with basically the battle and the competition of video games. And and eighty this actually started back in 82. Uh, Billy Mitchell sat down. He went to Twin uh, Twin Galaxies in Iowa, and he played the video game and there was another guy who was there who said, "Oh, I'm I'm the greatest one at, at Donkey Kong." And he put in a false score. That's and he great. said, "Oh yeah, I've got 300,000. You know, I've had 300,000 on Donkey Kong." And Billy Mitchell says, "Well, tell you what, let's go inside. We'll we'll play a game." <laughs> and Billy crushed his score, came out with 874,000 points on it.
1: Back then, that's huge. Yes. I wasn't breaking 50,000 on Donkey Kong back then.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, and he just blew everybody else out of the water. And these guys are sitting around going, "Um, "Okay, yeah, you're the undisputed champ on this game."
1: (laughs) Well, plus Billy Mitchell kind of put him in his place and said, "You're not even you lied about that score, didn't you?" And he goes, "Yeah, I did."
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know, and and, you know what was funny was that he and Billy became good friends after this. So it was really this kind of creepy dynamic, but
1: uh, (laughs) it started out that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then we actually had a guy, uh, Steve, Steve Weeby. Uh, who in the documentary, they show him kind of saying, well, you know, he saw the score and he goes, I can beat that score. And so he, he became unemployed. He sat down, he had his own Donkey Kong cabinet and he actually started playing the game and he starts getting through it and he breaks the world record. He ends up with like a million points or, or uh, like he, he gets like well over what Billy Mitchell's score was. Mm -hmm. And, they, he sends it into Twin Galaxies, and Twin Galaxies goes, hmm, we're suspicious of this. We and twin, really... tw-
1: twin Galaxies is the video game record keepers.
0: Yes, they are. For all intents and purposes, they are the Guinness World Records scorekeepers. Uh, There's
1: a whole other story about that guy in, in itself. Such a fascinating way that came up about uh, Twin Galaxies. Pretty oh, cool yeah. site.
0: yeah. Uh, but they they he sends the score in to them and they said you know we're sorry this is not a valid score because you've got this board from a guy who basically hated Twin Galaxies and he was the the guy the guy went by the name of the moniker Mister Awesome and he just completely hated him. But
1: oh, you're talking maybe. about the circuit board in the uh, Donkey Kong machine, the yes, cabinet. Yes. Yes. Oh, so you're saying that um, was it? Walter Day said, "I'm sorry, you know, you have this circuit board in your Donkey Kong machine that." was given to you by another guy who hates us. Yes. Oh, geez. Yeah, I forgot about that part.
0: (laughs) He completely invalidated the score, even though he'd had a much higher score than Billy Mitchell. Right. So they go through it, and they finally say, you know what, you want to have a higher score? Fine. Sit down. Go to Fun Spot out in New Hampshire. And for those of us who are video game aficionados, Fun Spot is probably one of the biggest retro video game places ever. Uh, Yes. You know, I mean, they have got, if you want to go and play an older title like Galaga or Miss Pac-Man, Mappy Land. Uh, gosh, yeah. I'm just trying to think. There, there's so much there. Pinball machines, everything.
1: Yeah, I grew up around Fun Spot. It was just, that's where I went. It was oh. great. <laughs> I was very lucky.
0: <laughs> yeah, I you know, I mean, I'm jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> Closest awesome. I've had is the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas. So hey, That's a great place, too. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. That you you want to go there if you want to set a record, and that's really kind of because everybody validates off of those machines. They're all you know from the factory, brand new in a sense. You know they have been repaired and worked on, obviously, to keep them running. But uh, this has kind of become Funspot has kind of become so well known that they've actually put some of the images and, and some of the stylings. If you ever went to go see the movie Wreck It Ralph. The outside and the arcade itself was actually based on Fun Spot.
1: Oh, that I didn't know. That's cool. I got to watch yeah. the movie again. <laughs>
0: yeah. And if you look at the guy, Mr. Litwack, who runs the shop, he very much resembles Walter Day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he doesn't quite yes. have the beard, but he looks very much like him, even though it's, you know, it's a cartoon version of him. You look at it, you can kind of go, OK, I get that.
1: Walter Day of Twin Galaxies, yep.
0: Yes, so he looks
1: he always looks like a ref or something. Got oh the yeah. Whistle.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of how Litwack, Mister Litwack, shows up in uh, Wreck It Ralph. So you do get a chance to see a little bit of the, of this here. Now, again, coming back to Donkey Kong, uh, when you're looking at this, you see a lot of other games that are built off of the same style of platform. Uh, for example, with Wreck It Ralph, you know, the, here's another great movie that came out fairly recently that has a big guy and, you know, you've got a little guy who's trying to go through and save the day. He's hammering and he's fixing everything in the game. Fix it. Felix. (laughs) And so you see him going around and fixing everything with Ralph being up at the top, throwing things down and breaking windows. Very, very much like Donkey Kong.
1: Yeah. I could tell they modeled it after that.
0: Yeah. and, And just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I've actually, uh, Disneyland actually has, uh, three copies of Fix-It Felix Jr. in their Starcade over by Space Mountain. And you can actually sit there and play them. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's a free game. You can walk right up. You don't have to put coins in. And you can actually play it and run through the levels. Oh, that's neat. So <laughs> I kind of like it. You know, it's it's fun.
1: Well, you were starting to talk about the King of Kong. And there's one of the things that I wanted to get, I would love to hear you get to is the the actual competition between Billy and Steve. Because that kind of, that kind of built up through the movie and you can start and like Steve sent his score to Walter Day at Twin Galaxies and Walter Day is like, no, we, you know, you're using a board from this other guy. And, and then um, he said, okay, then I'll go, I'll go break the record, you know, in front of you at the, at Fun Spot on the, on that machine. and. I don't know if you were going to get into that or not, but oh. it was just such a good part of the story.
0: Yes, and I and I apologize for going away from that.
1: <laughs> that's okay. Hey, that's why we're co-hosts, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: gotta... uh, but yeah, he he goes in. He actually sits down. He sets a score of nine hundred eighty-five thousand. Uh, you know, and, and I'm approximating because I remember I don't remember what the exact full number score is.
1: Oh god, I gotta and I gotta add if you've never played the arcade version of Donkey Kong. If you can hit 75,000, you're a pretty darn good player. Yeah. So that's just a a phenomenal number.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he actually, Steve YBYL was there. He got the very first kill screen on the Fun Spot game. That's great. And what a kill screen is, basically, you play the game through, and it gets so much through, and you get such a high score in the games. On the last level, it basically can't go any further, and it kills you. It just... You'll play for about five seconds and the game will kill you. And there's kill screens on Pac-Man. There's kill screens on Donkey Kong. There's kill screens on Galaga. They all, a lot of these older games have them because the way that the memory was written, they just didn't have enough memory to run through all of the levels on it.
1: Yeah, you're going to tell the program, I'm going, to, I'm going to use this much memory for this game. You can't just say, I want to use an open and infinite amount of memory for the game. You actually have to tell the program, I'm going to allocate this much memory for this game, hoping that no one ever, well they probably knew back then that no one would ever reach millions and millions of points. They just knew it because the games were too hard. But yeah. then people people finding people started finding these nuances of the games and and they played them for hours and hours and hours and finding these loopholes and exploits and suddenly they're reaching these kill screens because the game can't go any further. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that was one thing that I I noticed when I was watching King of Kong is that Steve Wybee is he took like a marker, like a uh, you know an erasable marker, and he was marking on his screen lines to see where the springs went, so that he could say, Okay, well the springs are bouncing on this checkered line here, and then if they go on the solid line, well now that's when I should go up and, and jump up to go save Pauline.
1: Mm. And that's just that's a tough tough level when you get to like the third elevators and the springs are Very fast and very tight. You got to time that so close.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's, I'm looking at it and I'm watching how the springs are going, and it's it's like the space of a pixel.
1: I can't figure it out. I don't know how they do it.
0: (laughs) But I mean, you know, the fact that he dedicated this much time to go through it and then get that 985,000 and basically do it in front of this whole crowd. And then Billy turns around and he hands in this tape. He sends a tape in with somebody who's going to be there to try and become the Qbert world champion. She takes it down, hands it to them, and they look at it and they go,
1: oh, this is – wait, wait. This is right after Steve Wiebe breaks the record. He goes, I won. He's like full of excitement. Yes. I won. I I broke the record. This is fantastic. Then the movie shows Billy Mitchell sending in this tape kind of like, I've been waiting for this moment. And, and go on i I love this part of the story yeah
0: and the way that this i'm gonna be honest that the movie was edited to make it look like there was a lot more going on,
1: yeah, there was uh, <laughs> or, it, I mean it was edited, yes, correct, yeah.
0: you know it was it was edited to make it look like he had you know he'd been bounced for the score, and you know Steve Weeby was all excited he got the high score they posted it up, and then right after that, they watched Billy Mitchell's score and they're noticing little things that I kind of had to question as well. Where you see lines that are coming through on the tape, yeah, just yeah. and scores are jumping around. They're kind of like, well, is this really an official score? Right. You know, and they harped on they harped on Steve saying that, well, you you know, you used a board that wasn't that was questionable, and they let this go right through with Billy Mitchell.
1: Uh, yeah, because Billy Mitchell had developed a reputation for his uh, what was it, Pac Man he was the first person to a perfect pac-man game yeah so he's got this reputation of you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be dishonest with you guys here's my tape this is what i did and they go oh sure no problem and and steve went through all this effort to get his score up there and billy just goes well, i'll just send in this crappy vhs tape that has lines and it's jumping around and you know they're not gonna question me and yeah uh, they didn't they didn't they just took it
0: they took it and i know that steve made a big deal about it because he said well you know this is really kind of this is really kind of sucky of him that, you know, he, he shows up, you know, he tells me that I have to show up here at Fun Spot and that he wants to break records in person. And then he submits the score where he gets over a million points on Donkey Kong and then just stops. And he doesn't even bother to show up. He sends it in with somebody else. yeah And he, you know, he, when he was saying all this, he says, oh, I'm not really going to submit the score. I'm just going to, you know, I want everybody to see what I did. And then he tells Walter Day, he gets Walter Day on the phone later, and he says, uh, yeah, I want it to be official. Oh. And Walter says, oh, so you really want this to be an official score? Okay, well, yeah, we'll go post it on the site now. And they were at Fun Spot, walked into the back, found an internet connection, and posted it up on Twin Galaxy's website.
1: What a blow. Steve spent all that time working on that. And, you know, granted, if Billy was sitting right next to him and they were going head-to-head – you know, that would be kind of like this honorable match. Yeah. He's on site and he did all this, his all his due diligence, gets the score that everyone was looking for, proves himself, and somebody just says, Billy just says, okay, I'll just send him the tape and I win. Yeah. Like there's no effort. I mean he made the effort in the original game to, to make it happen, but it was just kind of the, the way it happened. It was just kind of slimy.
0: Yeah, and, and the fact that he was holding on to the tape and he was telling everybody – you know, I've got this tape. It's something that I've held on to for a long, long time. <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. just really had to kind of question some of that.
1: He was waiting for it. You could tell that was a pre-planned, as soon as somebody breaks my score, I'm going to send this tape in. Yeah. And, it was, and, 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 and it's kind of clever. I mean, in business, that's what business does. Oh, yeah. They time their releases. They time their promotions. They time their marketing. So it was kind of clever knowing that I have the score and I'm going to turn it in when it happens. But to see it on the movie and see all the drama build up to it and then you you're really rooting for Steve and suddenly it's just a huge blow.
0: Yeah, and that was another thing about the movie is that they made that movie out to seem like there was this huge rivalry between Steve and Billy. And in fact, they've actually stood up and said after this movie was over with, you know, we respect each other. We're we're actually, you know, friends. We're not the greatest of friends, but we are friends. <laughs> you know, we yeah. tolerate each other, we do learn from each other you know, we just want to see who's the best and who's going to have their score up there at the highest. Right. <laughs> so they've been, well, then, you know, and all of them have been kind of bouncing around with their high score. So,
1: well, you know, at the end of the movie, things uh, turn tables.
0: Yes. You actually do see uh, at the end of the movie, you do see Steve and Billy, they show up. I want to say that they have it down in Hollywood, uh, down in Hollywood, Florida, that they show up there and they actually have like a, a tournament, Steve's trying to break the record, he ends up not being able to break the record there at the tournament. Uh, but in the final credits, they do actually state that Steve did break Billy's record and he got, I want to say, like 1,061,000 points or something like that.
1: And he's, and he's probably like, Boo yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and it's since the movie's come out, they've actually had the scores fluctuating up a little bit more. Uh, Billy did break Steve Weiby's record again. And then they had another guy who came in and he yes. broke the record back in 2010. And so Steve is like, okay, well, I got to beat that score. He came in and he broke it and set it even higher.
1: Oh, back- I didn't know about that. Because oh. I know that the other guy that you never heard of, this one guy was like, I don't even think he played video games. Like, I just heard about the record. So I just started playing Donkey Kong. And I'm like, what? And he just started playing. Yeah. And not only do you break the record. I mean, when you're when you are trying to break the record of a, of a million, whatever, 61,000. You're probably gonna do at best a million sixty one thousand and a hundred yep. you know sixty one one and and this guy comes in not only does it beat the original or the the last record set but he beats by a hundred thousand points
0: yes it was it was a slaughter I, I know <laughs> and then you have Steve come back and he says, well okay now that you've beaten that he said it, it you know this was done in like February of twenty ten Steve comes through in August of twenty ten and or uh, yeah, August of 2010 sets it. Billy then comes in and sets the highest score in September.
1: After all that, yeah, so they, they still got they still found ways to squeeze points out of that game. I don't yes. even. Oh, I'd love to see those vi- videos on that thing, man.
0: But yeah, you see them bouncing around, and the guy who currently holds the record. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember his name.
1: It's not Billy or Steed. Then it's another no, guy.
0: It's a oh, it's okay. a third contender now. And he's, I want to say he's like, his name sounds like it's Korean or something. And I'm trying to remember what it is off the top of my head, which is horrible.
1: Is it that same guy who beat it in 2010? Yes. I'm looking it up right now.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm like dying to look now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It says neither Steve Weeby or Billy Mitchell hold the Donkey Kong world record anymore. And Hank Chen. Oh, no, that's not it. What's his name? Let's see. I'm trying yeah, to find
0: one. it myself here.
1: It's like they had this huge article that uh doesn't show his name.
0: Wow, really? The Twin Galaxies website is no longer? Really? Yeah, I just tried to go to it and it says no. that uh GoDaddy is holding the page.
1: No way. You're kidding.
0: No, that's oh my gosh. Wow. You're here
1: you're hearing this live.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Twin Galaxies website is down. That can't be. I think it's Hank S. Chen or Chain Chine, something like that. Yeah,
0: something like that. I, I want to say it's like Korean or Chinese. It, it's definitely got an Asian sound to it. But
1: Oh, so, yeah, this went from February. Oh, they've had a huge battle from February of 2012. Oh, somebody named Estelle got it too. Estelle, Kyle, Corey, a bunch of people are starting to beat the records. And then – um but up from there you have billy mitchell again and then you have steve Wiebe again that goes all the way up to the top and other people have beaten billy and steve you know because so many strategies and techniques come out after people break a record they find out how they're doing it so oh yeah it makes it easier for people to follow up and and I'm not giving discredit to all these people because you know who knows how they figured out how to to squeeze more points out of it so you know good yeah. good good for them and it is hard to even even if you know the strategy to actually apply it and do it and and persist and persevere continually hour after hour trying to squeeze every point. So yeah, Hank Hank S. Chen and I apologize about the name. Apologize if I mispronounced that. But it's one point one three eight million. So it's one million one hundred thirty eight thousand six hundred.
0: Yes, I mean just absolutely phenomenal. When you look at these guys. <laughs> and and the, that is something else when you're talking about hour upon hour. Yeah, you have to sit down and. You're contending, you're sitting down for a minimum of two and a half hours to do this. Oh, yeah. Just because of the time that it takes to get through the game to get your points up there.
1: You've heard of the marathons that people will go through like oh, two yeah. days, two days straight. Yeah. Sitting like an asteroid's machine. You can keep getting your bonus guy after bonus guy, and, and you can build up so many bonus guys that you can actually go to the bathroom and let your ships die. Yes. (laughs) Which is great, but there's not many games that allow you to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, please guys, don't ever be like this. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this and you think that you're going to go and try and set a record, just, you know, don't think (laughs) that you need depends or anything to sit down and play it. Just
1: stop. (laughs) You follow your health.
0: Yes. You know, look outside, (laughs) see that bright ball and kind of go, Hey, you know, don't look at it and go, is that, do I have a light switch for that ball of light out there? No, that's the sun. Go out and enjoy it a couple of times a year.
1: <laughs> Santy, especially.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. So.
1: I'm still bothered by it. Are you sure the Twin Galaxies is down?
0: Yeah, I just tried to go to the website, twingalaxies.com. Nothing. It comes up and it shows that it goes to a GoDaddy website.
1: Yeah, it's not finding it. Let me find it if they have another web. Oh, that is weird. Sorry, Walter. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, that's weird. They let it expire. All right. If anyone's listening, go buy twingalaxies.com. I'm yeah, sure really Walter will give you some money for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Chris, we'll probably find out that Twin Galaxies has since fallen into disrepute and everything oh. has fallen apart with it. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> no, fantastic. You know, what we didn't talk about is the two two other arcade machines that came out after Donkey Kong, which was Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong Three. Yes. And, and you mentioned that Mario, Mario, I can't say that, Mario, Mario is a, a kind of an antagonist on the cartoon series. Yes. And and Donkey Kong Jr. is the only game that I know of that he was an antagonist in.
0: Yes. And that may be why they kind of based it in the cartoon is that is that they were already, they may have already been planning that as a storyline for the new Donkey Kong Jr. game. Mm. I, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but
1: yeah, he, he locks up Donkey Kong. And he's it's kind of similar gameplay in the sense that Donkey Kong's at the top, but this time Mario has him locked up in a cage. And then Donkey Kong Jr., that's the first introduction to Donkey Kong Jr., has to climb like vines and to to get to the top, like vines and like chains to climb to the top. So it's one of those still you're climbing to the top platform type of games. And I don't know if it did as well. It, but,
0: it definitely had a following because it was it was easier than Donkey Kong, but it still was difficult.
1: Yeah, it was a challenge.
0: I mean, I remember having to switch back and forth between the ropes and, and the vines and everything, trying to get make sure I didn't get bitten by those metal teeth that were running down the ropes.
1: <laughs> well, right after Donkey Kong 3 came out, um, it was like 1982. 1983, very close to the, the video game crash came out, instead of Nintendo making another, another Mario and Donkey Kong, they made Donkey Kong 3, which was Bugman, like Stanley the Bugman. Yes. <laughs> and, and Stanley the Bugman, Donkey Kong would sit, sit at the top of the screen once again, but he was hanging between two vines, I think. And Stanley the Bugman would protect his flowers at the bottom of the screen while Donkey Kong, like, stirred up these bugs to come down and try to ruin the flowers.
0: Yes, I, I remember that. He had like a he had like one of those exterminator things and he'd push out poison or something at the bugs, if I remember yeah. correctly.
1: Yeah, he he had this uh little he's pushing out the poison and, and the bugs have to get close enough so he could actually reach them. But then every now and then he'd get like this super duper poison thing that he could actually shoot Donkey Kong in the butt so he'd actually climb up the vine and <laughs> as as soon as he got as soon as uh, Donkey Kong climbed up the vine, the screen changed and you went to another screen. But the gameplay itself was totally different and oh, yeah. Donkey Kong's 1 and Do- or Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr as it was more like a shooter like Galaga.
0: Yeah. It, you were basically just trying to defend against the bugs that were coming down the screen and running down the screen from Donkey Kong. And mm. it was fun. It just wasn't wasn't anywhere near the same.
1: And and they really Nintendo should have done what the hacker did a few years ago that was this hacker I don't know his name. He hacked the original Donkey Kong ROM on the circuit board and created donkey kong 2 have you heard about that
0: well is this the one that you're talking about that he hacked it for his daughter so that uh they she had to have they had pauline going and rescuing mario
1: oh no that's a different one. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, see because i knew about that one
1: <laughs> that's funny though I, I i think i've heard about that one there was another there was another one where the guy hacked it and he wanted he wanted to fix he hacked it first because he wanted to fix a couple of things that donkey kong the original Uh, arcade machine didn't do well i think it had to do with um how one of the screens ended like you couldn't go near the ladders that donkey kong climbed up at the end of the screen but i think in the new one you can but he, he ended up trying to fix these little things that really bothered him in the first one like oh i remember one one of the one of the little bonus items that you pick up in the original donkey kong is pauline's hat you know you can you can run over and get like 500 extra points for picking up on the second level. You can pick up these extra bonus items. Right. Well, Pauline's hat is one of those things and it doesn't look like a hat at all. <laughs> so he, he ended up hacking the, the the ROM to make it look like a hat. But while he was in there, he decided, well, why don't they just add another level or two? So he actually, <laughs> he, he just went all out and created a really, really good game and called it Donkey Kong 2. And I think he even wrote to Nintendo and said, hey, I made this out of out of this do i have your blessing kind of thing and right. i don't know what happened with that but the actual the actual arcade machine was built donkey kong 2 not in not for production but it was built and created for fun spot so you can actually go to fun spot and play donkey kong oh, 2. wow that's I, a neat it's a really neat game too
0: makes makes me want to go hey i have to jump on a plane and go cross country <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's fascinating he's got some interesting ideas that i would have loved to have seen so i was saying that nintendo should have made an extension of donkey kong like a sequel instead of going with donkey kong 3 they had nothing to do with their original mascot that made them millions
0: yeah it's I, I don't on. get why they did that but
1: i mean it, it was i think they just wanted to try something new and they just kind of failed at that a little bit
0: yeah, well, Nintendo, let's be honest, Nintendo has been on this slow decline as of late anyway. I mean, they they had the success of the Nintendo. They had the success of the Super Nintendo. And now they're kind of spiraling down with, you know, they, they kind of had the Wii that popped up. And everybody thought mm-hmm. that the Wii was great when it first came out because motion control. And now with yep. the Wii U, everything's taking a dive.
1: Oh, I didn't. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's the Wii U. I like it. But it's not anything I would spend, you know, $300, $350 on it. It's just
1: not worth it. They just try new things, and sometimes they really fail. I mean, I think we know the biggest failure of Nintendo's history. Can you guess?
0: Oh. (laughs) I'll
1: I'll give you one clue. Okay. Red.
0: Red. Are you talking about changing out the Wii to a red Wii?
1: No, this is older. This is in, this is Game Boy days. This is, uh, this is something. Oh,
0: that, the Virtual
1: Boy. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I, get it. I knew you'd know it. <laughs> yes. Red and headaches.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I actually knew a friend of mine who had one and I don't know where he got it. I don't know if he bought it as like a demo unit or something from, you know, uh, like GameStop or whatever it was at the time that they had it. But he had one and we were all fascinated with, we played it for about 15 minutes. We're like, this sucks.
1: (laughs) Uh, I know you wanted to like it.
0: (laughs) You know, it was just, it was everything that was on there was vector based games, which was kind of cool. And you kind of had this 3D stereoscopic feel to it, but that was it. And it was not in color. It was, you know, even the Game Boy at that point, I think they just started coming out with the Game Boy Color and then they come out with the Game Boy, the, you know, the Virtual Boy. And it's like, Make it in color, maybe we'll be interested. And they just failed horribly.
1: You know, I want to say, I want to say that was Gumpy Yokoi who made that. I forget. I'm so sorry if these Nintendo fans are listening, but I don't know his name. But the person who made the Virtual Boy, he was really, he was really backing it. And he he convinced, I think, the president of Japan, Nintendo of Japan, that I want to make this, you know, Virtual Boy. And, And he was like, all right. When it didn't sell, he ended up at an expo by himself basically in shame with this virtual boy unit because he was yes. kind of like he was kind of like the you get the back of shame in a dojo you know yes <laughs> all the all the teachers all the master teachers turn around be, and they give you your back basically that's what he was put into this one single booth by himself with his virtual boy to basically fail
0: <laughs> yeah and i want to say that that may have happened at probably either the chicago ces or maybe might have been Las Vegas CES because I remember I remember reading stories about that in Nintendo Power.
1: Yeah, you did. Oh, you read, read it at the time. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's
0: so sad. So I mean, there was just there was a lot of stuff that when that came out, it was just it was it was a cool idea, just didn't work.
1: <laughs> well, it was you know it was before we really grasped portable gaming. Yes, I mean there was the game and watch things from Nintendo, where these little flip kind of uh, games that you held in your hand so this thing comes out and it's clunky and you have a tripod set up and you got to hold the control. it's just and you got to put your face up so nobody else can see the screen so it's just like this totally uh clunky but supposedly supposedly immersive but everything is red and lines and you get headaches when you're using it and after like you said after 15 minutes you go i don't get this This it's not fun yeah
0: it was Definitely, definitely one of Nintendo's bigger fails. I mean, I I will hold that right up with the Super Scope. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't the, think I've
1: ever used that.
0: The Super Scope and the Power Glove. Those were two horrible, horrible accessories.
1: Ah, Power Glove. Oh, my God. Was that, was that trying, were they trying to get into like virtual gaming?
0: Yes. And the, the Power Glove just did not have the proper motions for it, like, you could move your hand left and right, and you were supposed to use that for, for like simulating driving, but it couldn't detect anything going straight forward and back. So mm-hmm. you basically only had four – you had you know your two axes. You had left and right and up and down, and you could move your hand up and down on the screen, but that was it. And really, anytime you tried to fire, you had to still press the buttons on the back of the glove. <laughs> they gave you a controller on the back of the glove that you could play with. But it was it was impossible to use for ninety nine percent of the games.
1: Oh, terrible! Yeah, that's for sure. The 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 software developers didn't even support it. So yeah, like Glo- glove comes out. There's probably one or two games that are made for it, and they're not that fun. And then you have to put contort your arms in a certain way to play the game. And yeah, that's,
0: yeah, it never- just did not. You know, another failure. And fortunately, that was not actually Nintendo. That was all on Mattel because uh, mm. Mattel developed the Power Gloves. So, hey, good job, Mattel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, speaking of little Nintendo trivia, I know we're kind of exhausted on Donkey Kong now, but just talking about Nintendo in general reminds me of when they first created the... What was it? Was it the Nintendo Entertainment System? Before they actually created it, they, they were trying to license Sony to create it, I think? Is... Uh,
0: well, there was there was a... What was it the uh 3di i think it was or uh 3do oh, excuse me
1: panasonic 3do yep
0: yes and they had licensed uh mario brothers they'd licensed mario and they'd mar- licensed uh zelda titles to it oh whoa.
2: <laughs>
0: and it was everybody thought that this was gonna be a really great and really cool thing and then they found out that it was all based on the cd and this was all supposed to be with sony phillips and mm. they developed this thing, they put it through, and then they found out that you had to play it with a remote control. Like a like a <sighs> Oh terrible. Oh, oh it was awful. It oh. was awful.
1: That's terrible. I mean, even Dragon's Lair, where you're in the arcade, there's a joystick and you just wait for that right moment to press left or right or up or down or yes. press a button. And that's with a remote control, that's probably the only thing you can do is press a button and wait. Yeah. press the button and wait. And and of course, the infrared signal is probably not even fast enough to respond half the time.
0: Half the time, no, and that was that was a big problem with it. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, Fair. Nintendo really kind of had egg on their face. And then after that, Sony took off, and they said, "Well, we learned from some, we learned from this," and they went off and built the PlayStation One.
1: That's what it was. Nintendo yeah. wanted to build a CD-based uh, game system, and they were going to utilize, and they were going to ask Sony to build it for them. Yes. And then the deal fell through, or something, or Nintendo backed off, or something like that, or Sony said no thanks. And then Sony went off and built their own stuff, and then Nintendo, I think they went off and, I think that was the GameCube days, maybe.
0: Yes, that was, uh, because you had the, the Nintendo 64 was the last thing that had cartridges, and then the GameCube showed up with CDs, and then onto the Wii.
1: Wait, wait, wait. GameCube, I don't think the GameCube, th- oh, did it have CDs?
0: Yes, it had. Oh, it. had their
1: it had their own proprietary.
0: Yes, they were like half the size of a, of a regular CD. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, and you can actually still, if you have any of those GameCubes, you can still play them on the Wii. You have to have an actual GameCube controller and you have to have a GameCube memory chip, but you can pop it into your Wii and play it.
1: I think when I owned my Wii, that's probably the majority of games I played was GameCube games.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs>
0: We do have some celebrity players that have tweeted out their scores here for the game. Uh, actor Will Forte is currently ranked on the Twin Galaxies Donkey Kong scoreboard. Uh, rapper hmm. Eminem has tweeted his Donkey Kong scores on two different occasions.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, and, and with Eminem, if, if his scores were actually validated, if it was eligible for verification, uh, it would actually place him in the top 25 top scores
1: you know how long it takes to get a top score in donkey kong i mean yeah. just to get up to that point to know enough to actually try to go for the record so that just tells me that these people have a lot of time
0: yes <laughs> now with m and i can understand you know detroit is pretty depressed you got nothing else to do other than sit down and play video games <laughs> oh maybe that's it
1: he still lives there
0: <laughs> yeah he's still there he's still a detroit homeboy wow all right so well i think that's about it uh, that's all that i really have here uh I do want to wrap this episode up. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of talking about my generation. Uh, you can feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Please do, because it does help us with our ratings. I would love to have any, any feedback, whether it's good, bad, indifferent. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can also send us an email at my at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at talking about my generation, and you can also follow us on Stitcher if you're interested. Uh, and, Paul, I know you have some stuff here. Why don't you go ahead and, and uh, go off on your your podcasts?
1: <laughs> I have very little to say, but yes, I do have a personal growth podcast. It's called The Overwhelmed Brain. Uh, it's doing pretty well out there, and you just look for it on the uh, iTunes, The Overwhelmed Brain. Of course, you can go to my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, and you'll see all my latest and greatest podcasts and interviews. And I don't really have anything to sell or promote, but – I think um, Doug and I kind of talked offline and he said, do you know anything about Donkey Kong? And I was like, yeah, I know a lot about <laughs> video games. Let's talk about video games. And, he, and, and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. So you and I have been talking, Doug, for the um, past few days and kind of kind of talking, trying to figure out, uh, get this together and make something happen. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be here. So thank you for inviting me on your show. I've had a good time. You're a great host and I had a... a man i don't talk about this stuff with anyone <laughs> i really don't i mean i'm in personal growth now and in the in the 80s i played every single arcade game there was and i and i downloaded all the emulators and play i used to play tons and tons of games all the time until i started realizing that i wanted to make some money in life so i went to work and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and other things with my life but i still love talking i've I, I still read about the history of video games, so I just love all this stuff. So again, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh no problem! I'll have to have you back, and we'll have to talk pinball. Maybe going on on Funhouse or some of the other Williams titles or something.
1: Love that! I used to yeah. I used to repair pinball machines. I kind oh. of know kind of know that field too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I'll have you back for that. We'll plan that out off air. So uh, what I'm going to do now is we're going to go ahead and we're going to sign off this episode. Uh, Paul was nice enough to send me a little bit of a clip of some of the Donkey Kong sounds. So you'll be able to hear some of those sounds going in.
1: Nice. Fun. Well, thanks again, Doug. And I guess that's it.
0: Yep. That's all, folks.